Subscribe to the Jacob Media channel on YouTube for access to all daily sports content. Ah, that's right. You heard the man. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube platform. It's where you can find all of John and I's conversations nightly, all of John's other appearances on The Middle, which you can hear 11 to 1, Monday to Friday, right here on 1490, as well as Philly Voice. John's everywhere. All right, that's the point. Subscribe to Jacob Media uh, YouTube channel, and you can get all of us, including uh, my nightly reactions and much more. So, Speaking of reactions, John, what the heck happened? Uh, yeah, I mean... John, are you with us? <laughs> I think you got a little uh, excited. Yeah, I, are you there? I got you. John, can you hear me now? I do hear you. Okay. You, can you hear me? I think Darren Ravel um, hacked into our system. All right, so <laughs> let's start from the top. I said, speaking of reactions, what the heck happened today? Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think, you know, as we get more information about this process, it came down to, um, and, you know, I mentioned on the show, and I said I'd take my hits. I thought Josh McDaniels would be the head coach of this team by Wednesday or Thursday. Got the timing right. Got the wrong guy. Um, And now it comes out. Obviously, there were a lot of people around the league that thought Josh was going to get the job, including, as we've mentioned publicly, uh, Eric, the enemy's agent. Turns out, um, basically, the Eagles went through that first round of interviews, and Josh came out of that in the lead. And they were concerned, and mainly by they, I say Jeffrey Lurie was concerned about the baggage that we've talked about with Denver and Indianapolis, and I kind of kept going and kept going and kept going. And number nine of ten hit the home run, and that's Nick Sirianni. And, you know, a lot of it I do think has to do with Frank Reich and their respect for Frank Reich. And, you know, I think it's a little ironic in the fact that if you go back to 2016, you know, they wanted Adam Gase. They weren't able to, to work things out there. They wanted Ben McAdoo. They weren't able to work things out there. And then they kind of called up Andy Reid. Uh, and Andy told them uh, to hire Doug Peterson. And now you fast forward, and they're talking to all these people. And, and they had some interest in, in Robert Sallin and Arthur Smith. Really, uh, a lot of interest, but... Obviously, those guys weren't going to come here, and even more so Lincoln Riley, which was, um, you know, probably the number one choice overall, uh, and that didn't get any anywhere. Um, and, and then they kind of called Frank Reich because uh, I don't think Andy wanted to talk to him after what they did to Doug, so he went to Frank, <laughs> and we end up on Nick Sirianni. Um, man, I, I have so much to say, but I'm, I'm going to try and keep it organized here and, and get through this because there's so much to digest. Let's start with this. Who the heck is Nick Sirianni? I got that question probably 10 times today, John. Yeah, I, I mean, it, look, uh, so uh, one of the things about the Eagles, and, and, you know, I guess I should be more clear when I say these things. It's really Jeffrey. It's really Jeffrey Laurie. I think he takes a lot of pride, and he should, in that 1999 hire of Andy Reid. And basically, he was off the radar. Nobody knew who he was except, you know, people in the league who really understood 
uh, the coaching profession, but he wasn't at that level where he's getting interviews yet. Uh, and the Eagles took the, the dive in the deep end, so to speak. It was about 40 years old at the time. Um, and obviously it worked out uh, pretty well. Uh, and, and now we have, you, you kind of fast forward to this search, and you have a 39-year-old guy who a little bit further ahead than Andy because he was actually a coordinator, uh, but he wasn't a coordinator that called plays. Um, this is his first interview ever uh, to be a head coach, uh, so there's a lot of similarities, and I, I think they enjoy um, finding that diamond in the rough, and you know, that part of it's probably a little bit of an ego. Uh, but, it, you know, Nick has been around in, in San Diego with the Chargers. Um, before they moved to Los Angeles, he was Phillip Rivers' uh, quarterback coach and sort of jockeyed back and forth, also coached receivers out there when Frank was there as the offensive coordinator. And then, obviously, Frank got fired there, came to Philadelphia as Doug Peterson's offensive coordinator. Um and, you know, the setup in Indianapolis was very similar to that uh, in that Doug was the play caller here. Frank had a, had a large imprint on, on the game plan and preparing that. Uh, and that's how Frank set it up in Indianapolis with he's the play caller. Uh, and then Nick, who he brought over because he knew him from the Chargers, um, was really a, a big imprint on the game plan. So, and that's another thing, and I wrote about this on Sports Illustrated today because I was talking to a couple of players. And, you know, Frank's running the same offense Doug runs, which is, you know, understandable to their offense. They put it together. Uh, but I do think it's interesting for the Eagles for obvious reasons. I mean, so it, it's a clear indication. And, by the way, one, one of those players told me exact same terminology as well. Um, so clearly they didn't have a problem with the offensive system, the offensive scheme. Uh, the problems had to do with the relationship with, with Carson Wentz and even more so um, the assistant coaches with Doug Peterson. Otherwise, he'd still be here. Uh, I'm going to skip a couple of questions here because this is fresh in my mind. Can you name a situation in the past, John, where someone was brought in as the head coach to fix the quarterback and they successfully did so? No, and, and, and if that's why the Eagles brought if that was, you know, the one thing they harped on and said, you have to fix Carson Wentz, and that's why we're going to hire you to be the coach. I mean, it's doomed for failure. And, and I, I've criticized – uh, Jeffrey a lot through this process. Um, and I think he deserves criticism, to be honest, but uh, and certainly more so than Harry Roseman, who I know to the average fan is the villain here. But I, I think I think they, they have that part of it wrong. Uh, if that's, you know, his decision, if that's the lone reason uh, he's hiring Nick Sirianni, Sirianni it's going to fail. But I, and again, I say that because I've criticized him a lot. I don't, I don't believe that's the case. Uh, I mean, that's part of it. But I, I, I do think there's, I do think he understands that there's much, much more to it. We've talked a lot about 
being a CEO, managing people and personalities, what type of personality is Nick Sirianni? What what type of guy is he? Like, how is he going to handle the media? And this is all projections, but I, I just don't know the man at all. So I don't know how much you know, but what type of guy, what type of leader can we expect? Yeah, I mean, we're all going to have to wait. I've never talked to him in my life. Uh, never met him uh, anywhere. Um, so it's going to be new uh, to a lot uh, of people. Um, you know, the fact that, that Frank Wright thinks so highly of him is obviously a, a positive uh, because, you know, he's got a, a ton of respect around this league, not, not, not only the Eagles for what he did. I mean, long before he even got here, um, just, you know, everybody loves Frank as a person. Uh, so right there, that's going to put a, a good stamp on, on things. Uh, but as far as how he, this is this big, big uptick. And I'm sure Frank is going to be giving him advice. And, you know, Frank wasn't even the head coach here. He, he was the only coordinator, but there's going to be a tad more scrutiny in Philadelphia than Indianapolis. So yeah, he's a 39 year old guy who's never done this. So that's something you're going to have to keep an eye on because it's not easy. Uh, and I, I say this all the time and, and, you know, ownership groups or, or organizations or teams that, that hire a scheme or, or a, a, um, go about coaching that way, X's and O's they're, they're going about it the wrong way. Cause the job is so much bigger than that. I do think Jeffrey understands that. Um, and that's why, you know, you have to give him credit. He, he's been successful hiring coaches. When you compare it to the rest of the league, yeah. again, everything, I always put everything in, in context. Is it perfect? Certainly not. But every single one of his coaches that he's hired uh, finished with over uh, a 500 record. Uh, Ray Rhodes, obviously Andy, even Chip Kelly, uh, Doug Peterson, um, every single one of them is over 500. Every single one of them has made the playoffs. Um, Ray was coach of the year at, at one point. So, I mean, if you compare that to other organizations, that's a pretty good record. So you do have to give them some uh, rope in the fact to say he's hired pretty good coaches. I think the problem with Jeffrey Lurie is he doesn't, except for Andy, uh, obviously, being the notable exception, um, he, he's too quick to scapegoat, and I say that all the time. And you know, he's very, and and, and by the way, he's not. He, he's very common, and that would be an insult to him because he doesn't want to be common. But that's the natural reaction in this league because. I always say it's a public-facing industry, so you have to deal with the fans. You have to deal with the fan base. You're, you're reading social media. You're reading. Uh, uh, you're listening to talk radio. You see all the angst, um, and you want to blame somebody. And as we, as we just saw on a four eleven and one season, you know what? What did they do? They're looking after it ends. Their first thought process is, okay, who do we blame? And that's bad enough in a, during a 4-11-1 season. You go back the year before, they, they're 9-7, and seven, which is not great in a bad division. 
but they do make the playoffs. They they probably win that playoff game if Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt. And they're still looking to blame. And they're still looking to scapegoat. And it was Mike Groh and, and Carson Walsh at that point. And, and that's where I think his issues uh, lie. Because this this industry is is cyclical. And you're going to have good years and you're going to have bad years. And it's going to be tied to personnel. And you should be smart enough. You've been doing this for 27 years. You should be smart enough to understand that. I hate how this looks, the optics of this and how it looks, the perception. Like, this is, to me, and let me know if I'm out of line here. You always do. Like, to me, I look at this as... Well, let's go with what Frank Reich says. And, you know, Frank and Carson were really close. So I'm sure Frank and Carson have spoke um, over the past month. Frank let him know how good of a guy he is and how much he'll enjoy, you know, playing for him. And then he said that to Jeffrey Lurie. And now here we are. Like, just this is solely based off of Frank's, Frank Reich's and Carson Wentz's relationship and Jeffrey Lurie desperate to not burn all of the money that he backed up in the Brinks truck for Carson Wentz? Well, I, I mean, I, I've been saying that part of it is from the start. I, I mean, yeah. it was going to be very difficult for them to move on from Carson Wentz this season, uh, whether Doug was here uh, or now that uh, Nick is here. Um, that's just part of it. I, I mean, that part of it's baked in. Uh, but I, I, I do think it's more of, look, the Eagles can go about it one of two ways. They can say, well, you know, we gotta we got to take our medicine. Um, they've called it a transition year uh, over and over again. You know, you go four and 12 again, or four, four wins again, um, and then you restart in, in, in 2022. Uh, and it's at least a little bit more palatable from a salary cap, uh, from a dead money standpoint. It's still bad, but uh, it, it's 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 much better than it would be this season. Um, or you can try to salvage him and try to say, "Hey, this guy played at a really high level at one point, and I, I don't think he's ever going to get back to that level." But I, I do think it's realistic to say he can get back to the the level he was in, say, 2019, which was a, a good player. Um, and I think that's the goal. It, it's not about just getting through the season, holding your nose, and then saying, okay, we can move on. I, I think they want to uh, turn him back into a good player if that's possible. Um, and, and by the way, it might not be possible and it's not going to help because, you know, the NFL PA is already on record. D Smith is saying, we're probably not going to have an off season again. Hmm. And, and for all the talking, we've talked about this a lot, Ryan, you know, what's wrong with Carson Wentz? What's, what is it? What is it? Injuries? Is it this? Is it the concussion? Uh, the mechanics? I, I think more than anything else, it was the lack of an off season. And when you're left to your own devices, and this is really that shows up with great players, and, you know, you hear the legendary work ethics of somebody like Michael Jordan. Um, in, in football, you talk about Jerry Rice, but 
you know, quarterback-wise, you have, you know, Pete Manning, the version, you know, the football version of a gym rat. If you want to be great, you got to do stuff on your own. And I got the distinct feeling Carson didn't do anything in this offseason left to his own devices. Now, part of that might be just becoming a father, not having time. Maybe it corrects itself. But if he's going to be fixed as a player, it's going to have nothing to do with Nick Sirianni. It's going to have everything to do with Carson Wentz. What are the expectations now, year one, for Coach Sirianni? Like, what's we all know Carson throws two picks in an opening day loss. It's Jalen Hurts time from the fans. It's who is this guy on the sideline? It's, you know, we all know the storm that, that that's waiting. Uh, so what are the expectations, year one? Well, I mean, I, I think they're different. Uh, I mean, fans want to win no matter what. They're not going to put up with a transition period, whatever you want to call a rebuild. Uh, they don't want to see four wins again. And if he wins four games, they're going to be talking about firing him uh, after his first season. They were talking about firing Doug after his first season. They won seven games with a rookie quarterback. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I just talked about Jeffrey Lurie wanting to scapegoat people, but I, I don't think he does it that quickly. Uh, but I do think, you know, there's a chance. This is their version of, of Brett Brown, so to speak. Now, it's not, you know, they're not going to be, it's not going to be like a six-year tank in, in the NFL. You don't have to do that. But the point is, you know, maybe they do have a couple down seasons. Um, and then you say, okay, we're starting to get better again. Maybe we need a different coach. I think all of that depends on uh, how Nick, handles himself and you know that's that's the unknown that's always the unknown no matter who tells you what i mean this is a guy who's never called an nfl play in his life um this is a guy who uh, is never been a head coach at any level um nobody knows nobody knows you just um try to get to know somebody as much as you can like anybody who's ever hired anybody in any industry, it's the same type of thing. Yeah, you you try to get references and you try to pick the best uh, candidate you can. Now, obviously, the Eagles will tell us whenever they introduce uh, Nick is, and they haven't obviously announced that yet. You know how this goes. They'll tell us this was the best guy. This was our number one choice. And everybody knows that's a lie. Everybody knows they'd rather have Lincoln Riley. They'd rather have Robert Sala, Arthur Smith, uh, on and on and on. But it is what it is. Sometimes it works out. They didn't want Doug Peterson either. It worked out. So next question is, how does John McMullen envision the coaching staff to shape up? What are, you know, a, a guy as a head coach who's never called a play in the NFL, he'd probably like to have some, uh, some legitimate talent around him on the coaching staff. Well, I mean, you always want a, a strong coaching staff. But, you know, I, it, more important is, the defensive coordinator for obvious reasons. Uh, I mean, Nick's going to call plays. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I don't even know. The Eagles have a number of, of 
assistant coaches under contract uh, that could stay. And I said, you know, middle of the week, that's when that shift started. Um, I mentioned that, uh, you know, all of a sudden uh, Jeff Stoutland wasn't going to Alabama anymore. Uh, and then Dave Fipp got um, blocked from interviewing uh, with the Detroit Lions because um, he's still under contract. That was a clear indication in the shift from Josh McDaniels to Nick Sirianni. At that point, you say, okay, the Eagles, they're going to keep these guys, and they're going to keep these guys to put them on, on Nick's staff. So there are certain guys, Dave, as I said, is obviously going to still be here uh, as the special teams coordinator. Uh, and who knows? I mean, it, you know, the talk with Jeff is, you know, he didn't necessarily want to stay, depending who the coach was. Um, so he's got to make that decision. And obviously, Deuce Staley's got to be upset. So I, I can't speak for Deuce Staley, but um, if he's got other options, um, he's probably going to look at them. Uh, and then Jonathan Gannon, who's the secondary coach of of the Colts, um, a lot of talk about him potentially being uh, the defensive coordinator. Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Um, John, what about responsibilities? Because if I have to bring up perception again, it seems like this is a perfect puppet situation you know for all the reasons that you've mentioned all right this is a guy where new in a lot of ways uh to being a head coach in the nfl so jeffrey Lurie now has the strings in the palm of his hands yeah that part of it's true uh i mean and it's not necessarily a, a good thing and <laughs> you know but uh, you can look at it the other way as well i i mean when, when the story is is told and we know uh, everything about this coaching search and when we get to talk to people sort of behind the scenes, off the record, and all that kind of stuff, it's going to be interesting to see where the, the shift happened with Josh McDaniels to, to uh, Nick Sirianni. Because, you know, from – and I said – on the show with you, I, I, it surprised me that evidently Howie Roseman was championing, championing um, Josh McDaniels coming uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles, which, you know, I mean, Josh is a control freak um, to an almost ludicrous degree in, in Denver. Um, now, again, that's a long time ago. He himself has said he learned from that. Uh, he seemed to be more malleable uh, to be willing to work with other people. But you have to wonder, as it got closer and closer, did even Howie kind of say, well, do I really want this guy? Because you never know what happens when somebody gets in the building. He had been through that with Chip Kelly. You know, when Chip Kelly first got here, he said, I don't want anything to do with with personnel. There's not enough time in the day. And then all of a sudden, he didn't like what Howie was doing, and you know what happened. So I, I, I think there's at least a chance that he said, as it got closer to fruition, that maybe you rethink it and say, do I really want this guy in the building? Um, or, uh, you know, maybe it was just Jeffrey. 
and, and saying, you know, I've talked about it a lot. When when your agent fires you for being unprofessional, uh, and that's what happened with Josh in Indianapolis, you know, that's a lot of baggage. And remember, I, I talked about Jeffrey and public-facing industries and, and wanting to blame people. You know, there's also that part of it as well where you have to sell somebody um, to – the fan base. And even though I don't think they're excited about Nick Sirianni, in fact, I know they're not excited because nobody knows who the heck he is. Um, I think it would have been worse if they hired Josh McDaniels because everybody does know who he is and they don't like him. It's another great point, and we're going to have to get more into it uh, tomorrow before the weekend. It, it's another point where you can say this is a safe hire. This is they're avoiding a PR nightmare, which maybe that's dramatic, but that could have been the case if you bring on Josh McDaniels pointing to his past. This guy, everyone's like, well, he's, I don't know, he's under Frank Reich, and the whole fan base is obsessed with Frank Reich. He's the guy that, he was the reason that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, it is, you know, from that standpoint, yeah, it's a lot safer. And it is. You can point to Frank. And and so there's so much irony to this. It's unbelievable because I always, you know, I always go back to 2016. And I just mentioned, I'll go back, you know, it's been the theme of this call, the scapegoating. In 2016, um, the Eagles were seriously thinking about firing Frank Reich and elevating John DeFilippo, who was going to get the offensive coordinator job with the Jets. Uh, and the Eagles blocked him because he was under contract. And John was not happy about that for obvious reasons. Uh, and they were thinking about trying to make him happy by getting rid of Frank and making him the offensive coordinator. And Doug said, uh, Doug stepped in and, and basically um, saved Frank. You're hearing how much he liked him, how much he respected him. Uh, Sorry. And then you fast forward, and here we are, and Frank Reich is – is validating Doug's replacement. It's crazy. This league is crazy. It's, um, you know, fire Andy, go in new direction, direction is wrong way, recalculating, call Andy for the right directions, <laughs> hire Doug, fire Doug, burn the bridge with Andy Reid. So you have to call Frank Reich. <laughs> it's like you, you start to piece these items together on the timeline, and it's laughable, John. It really is. Yeah, and there is one. You know, early in this process, a lot of us, including me, thought Mike Kafka was going to be a big part of this. He would have been a big part of this. He was another guy who took himself out of the uh, the equation. He, he said, I, I don't have any interest, which stuns me. So I don't know if that came I, – I don't know if that was advice from Andy uh, because I don't think Andy was happy. Uh, on what they did with Doug Peterson, um, but that 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 is you know there's a lot of people who didn't want this job. Well, Nick Suriani, you sir, um, you're the lucky winner. Come on down, fix Carson Wentz. Um, never say no to Jeffrey Lurie. Good luck, my friend. Also in the toughest city to pl- uh, to coach, arguably in the world for professional sports. It should be 
a fun off season and a fun regular season like it always is with you and I, John. So uh, we'll get more into this tomorrow and um, head into the weekend on a uh, interesting note like usual. Yeah, it never ends. And one thing, uh, I hope Nick is listening, and I hope he listens at some point on, on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Now, he I'm does. I'm going to tell him right now. They're all going to think your offense stinks by week two, so don't worry about it. Yeah, just assume <laughs> it does, Nick. <laughs> all right, John, I appreciate it, man. All right, thanks, Ryan. Yep, there he is, Johnny Mack, J-Mack, our Eagles insider. And you're not going to want to go anywhere. I'm about to drop a bomb on this Philadelphia Eagles organization. You thought I nuked Jeffrey Lurie earlier in the week? You thought I reacted a little extreme earlier in the week? <laughs> Keep it right here. We'll be right back.